Lord, we praise you today for your goodness. God, I pray that as we've worshiped you, not as we sang, Lord, we worshiped you. God, you're so worthy of our worship. And this isn't enough, God. God, we pray that that our life would be a living worship to you, God, and what we think and what we say and how we live, that we'd live a life that's pleasing to you. Father, we offer this worship to you today in Jesus' mighty name. And all those in agreement said amen. Amen, amen. You could be seated, if you will. (laughs) Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for the uh, online experience today. It's an experience, to say the least. We we had a nice... uh, we had a nice online service this morning. Uh, excuse me, it wasn't an online service, but it was a drive-in service. We, we had like, hold on, I was just going to check. Look, I just want to bring them on my phone. 60 people watching on uh, YouTube. What's up, 60 people on YouTube? It's nice to see if you guys would have chatted publicly, uh, I would have said something to you. But uh, if uh, when you throw a, something on there in a comment, you like the video, it helps the algorithm make sure to share. Let me see. Let me head over to Facebook really quick and let's see how we're doing over there on Facebook. Because I want to, you know, the, the online thing, what's hard is that it's so 56. So what's up, 56 people on Facebook as well? Norma and Dee and Jenny. Who else? We're Renee. Nancy. What's up, Nancy? Karen? Lily, uh, Liliana? Pat O'Dell? It's great to see all you guys, man. I miss you guys uh Deeply, I, I don't like being away from each other uh, at all. I look forward. What's up, Russ? Can't wait for you to be back as well. Kathy Batiste, what's up, FBC family? Michael Eaton and Eaton household on YouTube. See, there we go, man. Let's get some interaction on the internet, huh? We're uh, we're far away from each other physically, but spiritually, we're close together. Here's what I hope. Uh, I'm going to probably preach for about today. What, what was it taught? About 70 minutes. No, it was like 35 or 40, <laughs> but uh, stick with us till the end. Um, uh, real quick, I just want to make an announcement. I said this uh, to the drive-in service. Well, we do have the drive-in service. We still have probably at least 20 line of sight slots that you can come down. And uh, it's fun, man. It's a fun little experience to be here. Uh, come down. It's at 830. We're probably going to do drive-in services for the next I would guess four to five weeks, maybe even six weeks. I know the governor's saying 10-person groups. We're not going to do that at the building, just too much work. Uh, so we're going to encourage you, once that happens, to be able to get together in 10-person groups at home, maybe have some pancakes before the 10 o'clock service, and then get together and worship in your homes. Um, and then once once we get the green light for those 50-person groups, we've got a, enough of a campus here. We can do 50 in this room. We're going to do 50 Hopefully over in the AMC, if the weather's nice, 50 out in the parking lot, we're going to throw down, man. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we can even do 50 in the parking lot across at the spot. So we might be able to have, you know, three 200-person services, and we'll be back to where we need to be. Amen? If you're, amen, if you're saying amen, I want you to amen and scream at your, uh, at, your, at your screen back at home. It's fantastic. All right. My nose is itchy, not because I have the COVID, but because I've got the allergies. Amen? All right. All the allergy people said amen. All right. We're going to be in 2 Samuel 16. We're going to be in verses 15, 16, 15 into 17, 14. 
It's one story, so just roll with me as we go. All right? Oh, wait, we got to pray. Did we not pray over the message? Pray over the message. Father God, we thank you and praise you for your word. God, thank you that you gave it to us to direct us and guide us. Father, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, that we wouldn't leave here the same way that we came. God, speak directly to our hearts exactly what we need to hear. Father, let it be uh, to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Samuel 16, starting in verse 15, it says, Meanwhile, Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with him. And so it was when Hushai the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, Long live the king, long live the king. So Absalom said to Hushai, Is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, No, but whom the Lord and his people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son, as I have served in your father's presence? So I will be in your presence. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give advice as to what we should do. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, go into, go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you are abhorred by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the top of the house, and Absalom went to his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. So it was all the advice of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, now let me choose 12,000 men and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and weak and make him afraid. And all the people who are with him will flee and I will strike only the king. Then I will bring back all the people to you when all return except the man whom you seek. All the people will be at peace. And the same pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Then Absalom said, now call Hushai the archite also and let us hear what he says too. And when Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom spoke to him saying, Ahithophel was spoken in this manner. So, excuse me, shall we do as he says, if not speak up? So Hushai said to Absalom, the advice that Ahithophel has given is not good at this time. For for," said Hushai, these names, man, where's Billy, Tommy, and Julie? You know what I mean? For he said, for said Hushai, you know, your father and his men, that they are mighty men and they are enraged in their minds like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. And your father is a man of war and will not camp with the people. Surely by now he is hidden in some pit or in some other place. And it will be when some of them are overthrown at the first that whoever hears it will say, there's a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. And even he who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion will melt completely. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man and that those who are with him are valiant men. Therefore, I advise that all Israel be fully gathered to you from Dan to Beersheba, like the sand that is by the sea for the multitude and that you go to battle in person. So we will come upon him in some place where he may be found and we will fall on him as the dew falls on the ground. And of him and all the men who are with him, there shall not be left so much as one. Moreover, if he has withdrawn into a city, then all Israel shall bring ropes to that city and we will pull it into the river until there is not one small stone found there. So Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the advice of Hushai the archite is better than the advice of Ahithophel. For the Lord had purposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster upon Absalom. Big portion of scripture. If you lost your way, let me just give you a a quick recap here. Remember in our story that uh, David has gone 
away from Jerusalem because his son Absalom has taken over uh, the kingship of Israel. And so David's not going to fight him. So he goes away and he left in Jerusalem some concubines. And so in this story, you've got Hushai and Hushai, if you remember, is David's spy. David sent Hushai back in. And so in this story, he goes and he praises Absalom. He's like, oh, you're the king, you're the king. And Absalom's like, why are you praising me? And Hushai's like, hey, if everybody else is going to make you king, then uh, I'm going to say that you're king as well. And so Absalom asks this guy, Ahithophel, what he should do. And Ahithophel gives him this advice. And he says, you know what? Go into David's concubines that he left behind. That sounds like a good plan. So he does it. Absalom goes before all of Israel and, and does this thing. Now, what happens that Ahithophel gives him some more advice and says, well, hey, give me 12,000 men and I'm going to go kill David. And so Absalom goes, uh, let's, let's double check with Hushai. What, Hushai, what do you think we should do? And Hushai goes, don't do that. Bad plan. Uh, what I think you should do is I think that you should regather Israel. Because if you go against David, he's a man of war and he's going to fight to the death. So don't do that. And so Absalom goes, hey, okay, we're not going to follow Ahithophel's advice in this regard, but we're going to follow uh, Hushai's advice. And, and so then the story goes on from there. But uh, that, that's where we're at. The, the title of the, the sermon today is called On Purpose. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's, let's get into this, though. The first thing I want to talk about this morning is that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Uh, when we, what we see in this story is that Ahithophel goes to Absalom to give Absalom some advice. And it's kind of uh, difficult advice. He says, now, uh, now remember, he's, he's acting as an advisor here. And he says, I got an idea for you, Absalom. David left 10 of his concubines behind in Jerusalem. Why don't you go into them? Now, I don't like to get into the sore details, but, you know, gnome in the biblical sense, I know that there's probably kids watching you. You, you know what it is. It's, it's, it's a bad advice. This is some really horrible advice. What, what Ahithophel doesn't realize is that he's actually fulfilling a prophecy and that Nathan said that uh, uh, David would be demeaned in front of all of Israel and all of Israel would watch. And so Ahithophel actually goes in into the tent and it's a public tent. So they'd actually see the act, but they know what he's doing inside of this tent. Uh, some scholars say that it was actually uh, probably that he went into a tent on a roof at the same place that David saw Bathsheba after God condemned him and said, you're going to be uh, ridiculed before all of Israel. So it's probably in that same exact spot that that happens. Um, and so uh, Absalom goes in and does this. Now, here's why he does it is because Ahithophel is telling him because he wants him to do a show of force because this is what kings did in ancient Israel is that they would demean the, the other king's uh, concubines to show that he was king and that now he's in charge. And it's it's really horrible advice. Uh, it's actually foolishness. Um, here's what happened. We're going to go back for a minute here. Uh, and it's very important. This, this is part of the sermon is that David had prayed that Ahithophel would give Absalom bad advice. Back in 2 Samuel 15, 31, it says, Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And so Ahithophel was part of the conspiracy against David to overthrow the uh, throne of Israel. And so David, in that moment, he prays and he cries out to God and he says, Lord, I want Ahithophel, because he knew Ahithophel was a counselor. I want Ahithophel's counsel to Absalom to be bad counsel. I want it to be foolishness. And this is exactly what we find in here in that this 
this advice that Ahithophel gives to Absalom is bad advice. It's not good advice because now uh, Absalom is not going to be able to reconcile with his father because of what he just did. Uh, he's not going to have a good uh, a good view in front of Israel because of what he just did. He took horrible advice from Ahithophel and Ahithophel gave him bad advice. So God answered the prayer of David in that the advice that Ahithophel gave was foolishness and that Absalom took this bad advice because what we're setting up here towards is David coming back and being on the throne of Israel. Here's the part of the story that is the most important is that David's prayer worked. It worked. And, and, and it, it was so bad advice that the Bible actually says in verse 17, 23 of second Samuel, that Ahithophel actually commits suicide. He was so embarrassed about the advice that he had given that he ended up committing suicide. I want you to understand this morning that when people of God pray that God moves, amen. When the people of God pray, God moves and God moved in this situation. He moved and he, he, he got into Ahithophel's mind, gave the bad advice. Absalom took the bad advice and it moved forward God's plan. But God answered the prayer of David, David's prayer of Lord, let this be foolishness. Can you believe this morning that God moves when his people pray? If you believe it, say amen. Remember, Moses prayed to change God's mind, and it did. Exodus thirty-two fourteen. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said that he would do to his people. That's what it says in Exodus thirty-two fourteen that God actually changed his mind. Uh, Joshua had prayed for the sun to stand still in Joshua chapter 10. Joshua was going into battle and he needed the sun to stand still so he could win the battle. And he prayed, God, make the sun stand still for a whole entire day. And the sun didn't set that day. God answered that prayer of Joshua and he won the battle. Hannah prayed for a child in 1 Samuel 127. She said, for this child I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I had asked of him. It is very clear in the Bible. And these are just a few places, but there's many places throughout the Bible where the people of God prayed and God answered their prayers and then God moved. Amen. Now, what does it mean to you? Are you praying for things that God can move on? Are you? And I'm asking you. Now, I know that you're watching on a screen, but the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to you through me right now and asking, are you praying to God for the things that you need in your life? Or have you given yourself over to doubt? Have you begun to think to yourself and say, you know what? God doesn't answer prayers or, or I've offered up these prayers before and God didn't answer them. Friend, that is not faith. That's doubt. That's not what you should be doing. We serve a God that can do above or beyond anything that you could ever ask or imagine. And we need to be people of prayer. We need to be people that pray and believe and ask and petition before the Lord because we serve a God that answers prayer. Remember, Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't. James five seventeen. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, right? James is saying he was a normal guy just like you and me. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. That's an answer to prayer. Would some of you begin to pray that over the Seattle region for the next three to six months at least that it would not rain? I know that next month we're moving into, me and my wife call it January. January. And, and I don't like January. I want a summer, man. 
Can we just have, like, we had more than enough rain this winter. Let's, let's get out there and get some sunshine. Amen. Anyway, I'm sorry. That was fleshly. I just, that was my own. Some of you like the rain and we're praying for you, but uh, God answers prayers. That's the point that God answers prayers. And there's tons of scriptures on prayer in the New Testament. But what we do is we choose to not pray. That's our choice. It's our choice to not pray. It's our choice to not ask, to not seek. We make that choice and then we wonder, why isn't that God moves? Probably because he thinks that you don't care enough to actually go and pray. If you would tarry before the Lord and you would ask for things, you would see God's hand move. Tons of scriptures in the New Testament. If you have issues in your life, pray. If there's things in your life that you need, pray. If you're living in fear, pray. If things need to change about your situation, pray. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Can we just take God at his word? Can we just believe that if God's word says it, that that's enough? I mean, it says it again in Matthew 21, 22. If there are things in your life that you want to see God move, pray and watch what he does. Don't just arbitrarily think that, that, that God doesn't care about your petitions. Why, why would there be so many scriptures that talk about prayer, about calling out to God, about asking God to move, unless God wanted us to be people of prayer? Uh, in 1 John chapter 5, <clears throat> Verse 14 and 15 says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us, excuse me. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And, 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 I, and I understand the, the doubting mind. As a pastor, you always get the doubts. People always want to say, well, pastor, what about this? And people say, well, uh, I, I prayed this prayer and God didn't answer it. And you, I've got a real spiritual word for that. So, so what, man? The scripture is still the scriptures. It still says that we ask and that he will hear us. It says that, that we will get what he's asked of us. I think what's hard is that a lot of times uh, people don't like that God's answer is no. That we pray and then God's like, oh, I answered it. You just didn't like my answer because I decided that that wasn't within my will and it wasn't the best idea for you. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. I want to encourage you to pray big, bold prayers that will change the course of your life and watch what God does. Not just small things. Not, I mean, you can pray over small, you can pray over whatever you want. I remember I got in an argument with one of my professors in college because uh, he thought it was uh, fruitless for me to pray for good parking spots. Uh, people actually in the classroom like, you're wasting the professor's time. And the professor said, you know, that God had more important things to be concerned with than parking spots. And, and I, I believe that God cares about every petition that matters to me. And when it, when I go to Walmart, I want pole position. I want right there in the front. So I have to walk the least distance or at least next to the cart rack. And so I just, Lord, I pray for your favor. So I can have good parking today in Jesus name. Why? Cause he's my father. And if he, and if he loves me and he does, and he cares about me and he does, then he cares about every last thing that I care about as well. And if he figures I need to walk a little bit farther and be humble, then he can put me in the rear with the gear and I'm fine with that as well. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 7, ask it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. 
And to him who knocks, it will be open. And people again will ask and they say, well, pastor, what if I pray? And then God doesn't answer. Who cares? Just keep praying. Don't give up. I'll tell you, there's been prayers that I prayed in my life that took five, 10, 15, 20 years to come to pass. And, and, and I know that God did it in due season. I know that many times I can look back and I can say, man, if God would have answered this prayer at this season of my life, I wouldn't have been able to understand it or appreciate it that God allowed me to go through this season so that I could appreciate it even more. Sometimes God, not sometimes I, I would say what I was going to say is sometimes God waits and I was going to say, sometimes God knows what he's doing. Every time God knows what he's doing. It's, it's that we don't know what he's doing or we don't know why he's waited. But you know, it's the reason why they say hindsight's 50, 50 or 2020 is because we look back and we're like, man, praise God. He didn't answer that uh, for me at the time that I asked for it. Amen. Um, I've prayed for a wife. I prayed for kids. I prayed for provision and protecting protection. And, and I don't know why God's answered my prayers. I'm not going to say I had a special formula, but I know that I prayed to God and asked for things that he gave me. Uh, I know that I've earnestly asked for him specific prayers that God gave to me. And some of you say, well, I asked that specific prayer and God didn't give it to me. I don't, I don't know what's up between you and God. All I know is what's up between me and God is that God has given me many times specific prayers uh, that I specifically asked for. I know that on this side of heaven, outside of my wife and kids, there's never been anything that I prayed for more than this building. And some of you may not understand it. And I know in this day and age, people say, well, you know, a church doesn't even need a building. Now more than ever, you can see why a church needs a building because we're not having church because we're not gathering together. Uh, uh, we'll be back together soon enough. But my, my, my point is this, you talk to any pastor and they'll tell you, man, that they want a building and a building isn't a building just because it's a building. It's what a building provides. It's a place to gather. It's a place to, to do ceremony. It's a place that's in a community that's seen. And, and it's permanent, you know, it's, it, it's, it's like when you have a church that doesn't have a permanent facility, you just don't have a sense of like, I'm putting down roots and this thing's going to uh, endure and people's lives are going to be changed here. And so we start our church back in 2003. And I believe that God was going to give us a building for six months because I was praying big, bold prayers, specific prayers. God, get us out of this school and get us into this permanent building. God gave us a permanent warehouse building that we were paying rent. I thought we were only going to stay there for maybe one or two years. And I thought we were only going to stay there for four or five years. And then I thought we were only going to stay there for 10 years. It took 12 years for God to get us out of that building. And people say, well, you know, why didn't God answer that prayer? And if you want to blame somebody, blame me. It was probably me because my heart wasn't right. Uh, God, God wanted to make sure that I was pastoring for the right reasons and made sure I was going to be faithful regardless of what happened with our church. And, uh, I remember summer of 2014 and some of you were there and we had to go through everything that it took to get through the building. I remember I was in San Diego and I was, uh, I was standing outside my friend's house and I was crying out to God. And I say, God, I, I want this building so much for you, but if you don't want me to have it and you want me to be a pastor in a warehouse for the rest of my life, I will do it. That's who I'm going to be because I, I, it's not about the building. It's about you and your will. And if that's what you have for me and my heart really changed in that moment, uh, it wasn't just lip service. I had prayed lip service beforehand and God knew it and I knew it, <laughs> but God had to break me to a point where I, he knew that, that, that I would serve him no matter what. And then he was like, all right, son, there you go. Uh, we can give you this building. That's why now I can be humble about it and say, oh, man, it was God and it was fine. I'd still continue to preach even doing it 
to a, a room with a handful of people because I'm being faithful to what God has asked me to do. Um, and you'll get to that place in your life as well. The end, the end of the point of it is pray. Just pray. Pray and believe that God will move and you'll see God move. Here's the second part of it. Take wise counsel. Take wise counsel. Now, in this part of the story, we see that Absalom took part, uh, took part of Ahithophel's advice. Now, watch this. There's two people that are giving. There's Absalom and there's Ahithophel and, and uh, Hushai. Hushai is his name. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Hushai. 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 Hushai in the house. Are you shy? I'm shy. He's shy. Who's shy? All right. Anyway, so he's got Ahithophel. If you guys were here, someone would laugh. Some people are laughing just out of being nice. It's fine. My kids are rolling their eyes at me. They're like, dad, you're not that funny. I'm hilarious. Tucker thinks I'm funny. So you got who's shy and Ahithophel. And then you got Absalom. So Absalom, he takes the advice of Ahithophel. That's the bad advice, which is the concubine advice. Then Ahithophel has some more advice about give me 12,000. And Absalom goes, we're not taking that advice. Let's see what Hushai has to say. And Hushai is like, don't, uh, don't take that advice. That's bad advice. Here's what I'm going to say. Absalom shouldn't have taken either one of these guys' advice. Hushai was a spy. Why would you take the advice of a spy? Ahithophel is a guy whose heart is turned because God uh, changed his heart because David asked him to. So in this situation, Absalom has two guys that he's gone to for advice and neither one of these guys are giving him great advice because he's asking the wrong questions. He's asking the wrong questions. In the end, Absalom said in uh, 2 Samuel 17, uh, 14, he said, Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the advice of Hushai the Archite is better than the advice of Ahithophel. That's what he said. Now, Absalom took part of the advice. He rejected the advice and then he took Hushai's advice. And here, all of that to say, advice, advice, advice. This, This is the point of this part of the sermon. Who you take advice from is very important. That, that's the whole entire point. Who you take advice from is very important. If you take the wrong counsel, it can redirect you. And this is what happened. Absalom was redirected by uh, uh, Hushai, and he was redirected by Ahithophel because he took bad advice. What should, what should, uh, uh, who, uh, what these names, man, Absalom, who shy hit the fell, who should Absalom have taken advice from? He should have inquired of the Lord. That's what he should have done. You look at David and David is uh, described as a man after God's own heart. Why? Because David was a man that followed after God. Did he make mistakes? Yes. Just like you and me. But by and large, he was a man that followed after God and he inquired of God. Read the Psalms. See how much he submitted to God. Second Samuel 2, 1, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go up to the cities of Judah? First Samuel 38, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake him? A king, a person, whomever. If you want success in your life, go to God first, because that's who's going to lead you in the right place. But Absalom chose not to. He said, I'm going to take this spiritual counselor's advice who is already a conspirator with me that already showed his heart. And then I'm going to take the advice of Hushai that I wasn't even smart enough to realize that this guy's a spy to my enemy. No, he should have gone to God. Now, I believe the Bible doesn't say, but I believe 
If Absalom would have gone to God and said, God, what should I do? God would have said, repent, turn from your sins, humble yourself before your father, ask for his forgiveness. And then Absalom would have become the rightful king of Israel. He would have taken over Israel after King David's death. But instead, spoiler alert, he's going to die an early death and he's not going to be the king of Israel anymore. All because he chose to not go to God. What does it mean to you? Who are you going to for the advice that you need in your life? Who do you ask? The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Now, let me say this. If you've got financial issues, do not talk to somebody that has no financial sense what you should do with your money. Okay. Uh, don't. That's the dumbest thing you could do. You get this stimulus check and you go to someone else that blows their money and go, what are you blowing your money on? Dude, don't. Pay off some debt. Put stuff in savings. Fix something on your car or your house that needs to be fixed. Invest it. Don't just go blowing it on a bunch of nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. Don't, don't take advice from someone who's got bad financial sense. Now, this is what I will say is that just because somebody doesn't make a lot of money doesn't mean that they don't have good financial advice. The reality is a lot of people that don't make a lot of money have better financial advice than someone who makes a lot of money because people that make a lot of money, a lot of times they don't, they're not controlled by their bad decisions where people that don't make a lot of money actually have better financial advice because they know what to do with more. They know how to save. They know how to live on a budget. Just find someone that's got good financial sense. Don't take health advice from someone who doesn't have good health in their life. That doesn't make any sense. Don't take marital advice from somebody who has a bad marriage. Don't take relationship advice from somebody who doesn't have any friends. Don't take parenting advice from somebody who's got disobedient, rotten children. Don't take career advice from someone who always loses their job. And most importantly, spiritually, do not take advice from somebody who's not walking with God. Don't do that. It's a bad plan. Watch who you take advice from. And worse yet, don't only take advice from yourself. You're the worst person to take advice from. Because when you're left to yourself, you're going to lead yourself astray. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. I can tell you that the, the worst decisions I've made in my life have been the ones that I made the decision myself before I talked to anybody else about it. And then after the fact, someone else came along and said, why did you do that? I'm like, oh, sounded good at the time. Because <laughs> I didn't talk to you. Am I the only one? Has anybody ever done that? Took, it, took your own advice before talking to anybody and then it was the worst advice ever? Friends, none of us are an island to ourselves. We have to go to God and at times others to be able to win in the areas of our lives. I'm the senior leader of the church. I'm I'm the senior pastor. And by the bylaws, I can make about 99% of the decisions without ever talking to anybody else. But I'm not dumb enough to do that. I go to the elders. We talk about things with Todd and Kevin and Jay. We talk through things before we do them. I don't just be like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Like I'm the mouthpiece and I come out and I say like, this is what we're going to do. But it's not that I haven't done those things without taking counsel first, because it's what wise people do. You go and you talk to other people and you say like, hey man, what do you think about this? And if three out of three say, that's the dumbest idea ever, they're like, all right, well, Maybe I wasn't hearing from God on that one. I also talked to a bunch of other pastors. I've got pastor friends here in the city and I got pastor friends from Florida and Northeast and every, all points in between. 
I have a Facebook group that I, that I manage with 18 other pastors and I'll put stuff on there like, guys, what do you think about this? And if all 18 are like, dude, what are you thinking? That's so dumb. I'm like, all right, I was just checking. I was asking for a friend. It wasn't for me in the first place. See, I'm not dumb enough to believe that I have all the answers. I talk to my wife a lot because she does have all the answers. Um, I also talk to God a lot uh, because I know that he does have all the answers. The Bible says in Proverbs 19:20, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Uh, I know that for my wife and I, uh, we didn't take good counsel in some of the early uh, financial decisions in our marriage. And we're suffering uh, later on in our marriage because of those poor decisions we made early on in our marriage. But if we would have made good decisions, we'd be doing better in our latter days. Now we're making good decisions, so we'll do better in our latter days now. That's what the scripture says. So what, what should you do? Where should you go if you want to get advice? This is the practical part of this sermon. Uh, first and foremost, if you want to get good advice, go to the word of God. If it's clearly decided, if it's clearly defined in scripture, that's the advice that you want to take. And I know that some of you super spiritual types would be like, not me. The first thing I do is I go to God in prayer. And I will tell you, that's bad advice. It's bad advice to go to prayer first. Why? Because your heart is deceitfully wicked. And, and a lot of times people will go to God in prayer when God has already made it very clear in scripture what you should or should not do. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Uh, people will end up fornicating and, and you know what that means. So they'll fornicate and they'll live together. And then they'll say things like, well, I prayed and I talked to God and I, and, and the Lord gave me clearance. He said, you know what? This is completely fine. And I'm like, so God went directly against what he states in his word about fornication. How does that work? No, you should have gone to the word first, read every verse about fornication, realize what you were doing was wrong, and then pray and say, God, would you give me the strength to live out your word so that I don't go against what your word says? Don't pray first, read the Bible first, and then pray for God to give you discernment and strength to be able to act out what his word says. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for correction, rebukes, and training in righteousness. But if it's clear in scripture, you don't need to pray about it unless your heart isn't right to follow what the scriptures say. There's many things in scripture where, you know, God says to forgive people. And then, well, I'm praying about whether or not I need to forgive them. What? What are you talking about? The Bible says to forgive them. You can pray that God gives you the strength to forgive that person and that the Holy Spirit would convict you and give you the strength to forgive that person. But you do not need to pray whether or not you should forgive that person or not. Now, you also pray when scripture doesn't give a clear direction. Now, sadly, this scripture does not give you very clear direction about things like what you should eat for lunch or, you know, what car you should buy or what career you should have or um, what spouse you should marry. It gives very guidelines of like, don't be yoked together with an unbeliever. But, you know, it doesn't say like what the person should look like or anything else. Sometimes you have a job and you're like, well, I got this job and this job. Which one looks better? Well, which one glorifies God or whatever? And, and, and so sometimes those questions come up and you're like, well, the scripture's not very clear about what I should do. Should I buy this house? Should I, you know, move all these other things in those system, excuse me, in those situations, what you need is wisdom. You need wisdom. And so the Bible's clear in James one, five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. It's the only time I like things liberal, uh, without reproach and it will be given to him. 
It will be given to him. And, and I'll give you an example. You know, last year, Crystal and I almost bought a new house. I'm not saying I'm never going to buy a new house, but I, but like we were walking through the process and I was like, God, should I, shouldn't I? And I couldn't even sleep. And God was like, no, no, this is not wisdom, not for you in this season. And so we called it off, man. I, I literally uh, texted uh, my, my agent. Uh, Gabe wasn't my agent. Now Gabe's my agent. Um, but, uh, uh, and I said, dude, it's off. It was like one o'clock in the morning. And then as soon as I sent the text, I went straight back to sleep because <laughs> I've just needed wisdom. God gave me wisdom and said, you're being dumb. Also, you should go to a Christian person and ask them for solid advice, but go to a Christian person who's solid in their faith. Don't go to a non church attending, non Bible reading, non righteous walking Christian. Don't go to somebody that just says they're a Christian. Go to somebody who's actually walking with God in righteousness. And someone would say, well, you know, God can use anybody. He can use anybody, but why would you not go to somebody who's been walking a life of faithfulness and righteousness? There's many of those. Go to that person instead. Yes, God can use a donkey, but don't go to the donkey. Go to the person that's walking in righteousness. Not someone who says they're a Christian that's living in sin and their life is in disarray. And lastly, if you have to, lastly, in this point, this isn't the end. Whenever you say lastly, people are like, ooh, I got a third point. We're going to get to it, okay? Lastly, if you have desires, I believe that you should ask God for your desires. I just do. Who else are you going to ask, man? And if if you have a desire that's not clear in scripture, let God be the one that determines whether or not you need it. And I don't care whether it's small or whether it's big. Say, God, I'd like this if you, if you see it within your will. And if God's like, no, just like, all right, just thought I'd ask. But every once in a while you find out that God's like, do you want man? I want to give you this desire. I want you to give this thing into your life. The Bible says in John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. Now here's my third and final point is that God's purpose will stand. God's purpose will stand. Now, the best part of this story comes from the writer of 2 Samuel 14, excuse me, 2 Samuel verse 17, 14. It says, for the Lord had purposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster on Absalom. Now, when you see that scripture together, what we see is that God's purpose is going forward. God's intent is going forward. God uses Ahithophel to give uh, Absalom bad advice so that God's purpose will go forward. Friend, this is the whole Bible. This is your whole life. This is the whole universe. The earth and all of its contents belong to God and God is moving forward with his intent and his purpose to accomplish his will. You are merely uh, just part of the plan. We're reading this story and we're watching the players, but we can't forget the biggest player of them all, which is God. This is his story. This is his Bible. This is his earth. He's the one that's deciding what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. The Lord wants David king more than David wants to be king. Why? Because he wants his plan to go forward. God despises wickedness more than David does. So he wants his plan to go forward. He's moving Absalom and Ahithophel and he's missing and he's moving around Hushai and all these other guys. Why? Because his plans are going to be the ones that are going to go forward. He wants his plan and his purpose, not even David or Absalom or Ahithophel or Hushai or Samuel or Saul or any of these other people. It's God's plan. It's his way. Whatever God wants is what he's going to get. 
The Bible says in Psalm 33, 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Amen. The Bible says in Isaiah 46, 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Friends, God is God and he does whatever he desires and what he wants to do going forward. The hard part is that sometimes it is not in alignment with our desires and our will. But God has a bigger plan. And, and, and sometimes God's bigger plan is that things happen that we don't agree with, that we don't understand, that we can't fathom. And we would say, I don't understand how this works in with God's plan. And, and I'm going through pain or I'm, I'm going through misery or I'm going through uncomfortable things. Like even this whole COVID thing, it's uncomfortable. It's annoying. I don't, I don't know about y'all. Like I, I played the game for a while, but now I'm just kind of like, Ugh, like I'm over it. Like, let's move on. But somehow globally, nationally, locally, and even in your own life, God is using it to bring forth his eternal plan. He's doing it. And, and people say, well, how is that? I don't know. I don't know at all. What I do know is that the Bible says God is working towards an eternal plan. And somehow this works into his plan. I don't have to understand it. I don't even have to like it. But what I do do is I submit to God's plan. And I say, you know what, Lord, this is your plan, your purpose, whatever it is that you desire, God, I want that to come to pass, even though I may not understand it, or I may not even agree to it. What does it mean to you? Friend, you can pray, you can take advice, but you have to realize that God is in control and there's only so much that you can do about it. Amen. But you should pray as well <laughs> to be in his will. Now, now some of you would say, well, I don't understand. At the beginning, you said we should pray and that God's hand will move and that God will change his mind. And then on this side, you say that God's purpose will prevail and there's nothing we can do to stop the purpose of God. Aren't those two completely things opposed to each other? And how do you explain it? And do you and I say to that? Yes. My, my inability to adequately explain it does not change the truth of what God's word says. It's very clear in the Bible that we have free will and that God will move from our prayers. And it's very clear from the Bible that God's purpose will stand and there's nothing we can do to stop it. People say those are, those are uh, diametrically opposed to each other. And you know what I say? Man, I don't care. I know him to be true. I know that God's uh, ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He doesn't do things the way that we do things. And so just because I can't explain it or fully understand it doesn't mean that it still remains to be true at the same time. Amen. God is in control. Ephesians 1.11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Lamentations 3.37. Who is he who speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? Amen. Here's what I want to encourage you with today. Trust God's plan. Know that he is taking care of you and your situation. It is for his purpose Live without fear. 
God has taken care of you thus far. You can live without fear. If you're living in fear, it's because you're not trusting in God's plan. It's, it's because you've lost sight of, uh, of the fact that we're just merely going along with what God wants in this world. And so if he's deciding things and he's moving things, we just have to live in faith and say, you know what, God, I may not agree with it, but I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust in your purpose. I'm going to trust in your plan. Don't worry anymore. Worry is a symptom of the lack of trust. People who worry it's because they lack trust and they're living in fear. Isaiah 43, 13, indeed, before the day was, I am he, and there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work and who will reverse it. Would you trust God this morning? Would you trust his plan? Would you believe that his purpose will stand not just globally, but in your life specifically, you are known by him. He knows you, he loves you, and he's directing your hand. He's directing your life. Live in his will. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, before we close, and please stick with me for a few more moments. You can come up. It's fine. Thank you. Um, if you haven't given your life to Jesus before, I want to encourage you to do that today. And it's really quite easy. Either you're living for Jesus or you're not. Either you've given your heart to him or you haven't. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never uh, said, Lord, I want to live for you and you alone. Would you make that your prayer today? It's very easy. Call out to God. Get on your knees in your living room right now or wherever you may be and and just reach out to God and say, God, forgive me of my sins and he will forgive you. Turn away from your sins. No longer live in those, no longer do those and live for Jesus. Find a good Bible-believing church. If you're local, come to Faith and Victory or find there's other good ones in Auburn. If you made that prayer for the first time today, would you send us an email, send us a message, let us know. We got some materials that we can send you. Let's pray over this message today. Father God, we pray today in the name of Jesus, God, that we would be people of prayer, that we would never forget that you are our strength, you are our source. God, let us never forget to pray to you for the things that we desire. Father, we pray that we would only take your advice, nobody else. God, we want to live according to your word, your purpose, your will. So Father, help us to live according to your advice. And lastly, God, as we pray and we live In your advice, God, we submit to your purpose. We submit to your plan. We believe that you are in control of it all and that we're going to trust your plan, God. We may not understand it. We may not agree with it, Lord, but we're going to trust in your plan. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you so much for joining with us today. Uh, Remember to uh, do all the social media stuff. We got drive-in service next week. Um, we're going to be down here for just a short amount of time. If you're close, got about 15 minutes. There's only like 10 loaves of bread left. Drive-in service took a lot of them. But if you're in need of bread, uh, you can come down. We got about 10 loaves left. You can zoom down to Auburn or maybe you're sitting outside to do it. Uh, we just love you so much, man. I miss you guys terribly. Uh, hope to talk to you soon. Oh, if you haven't taken the survey that we sent out, make sure to take the survey too. All right. Love you guys. Have a great Sunday. Take care. Hey, we want to thank you so much.